Well, let me start with this. Uh, East Colfax, it is a deep joy to be with you today and have the opportunity to share our reflections on this teaching text. Uh, but before I do, I wanna say a few words of encouragement to Joe and to Reuben and to each of you. As I reflect on the work of establishing a church in the neighborhoods of North Aurora and East Colfax, I'm overcome with a deep sense of gratitude and of hope. You faced challenge in the first few years, but instead of stepping down from difficulty and uncertainty, you've remained resilient and faithful. In a cultural moment where many people, including many church leaders, have given up or given in, you have instead given generously and sacrificially to cultivate a community of faith, of hope, and of love. And so really it's my deep honor to lead alongside Joe and Reuben. They are men that I admire and that I enjoy. Our mission as a family of churches is to lead people in living an integrated life following the way of Jesus. And Joe and Reuben set an example worth following in the integration of their life and their faith. So thank you to each one of you who have woven your life into this community. I believe the seeds that are being sown and the roots that are growing deep in the soil of these neighborhoods will become a tree of life for this part of the city. And my prayer for you is that you would continue to see God's kingdom come and his will be done in North Aurora and East Colfax as it is in heaven. Uh, with that said, I wanna read our teaching text today. It's 1 John 3, 18 to 24. I'm gonna be reading out of the version called The Message. My dear children, Let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. The only way we'll know we're living truly, living in God's reality, it's also the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism, even when there's something to it. For God is greater than our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do ourselves. And friends, once that's taken care of and we're no longer accusing or condemning ourselves, we're bold and free before God. We're able to stretch out hands and receive what God has asked for because we're doing what he said and doing what pleases him. Again, this is God's command, to believe in his personally named son, Jesus Christ. He told us to love each other in line with the original command. As we keep his commands, we live deeply and surely in him, and he lives in us. And this is how we experience his deep and abiding presence in us by the spirit he gave us. This is the Lord, word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, here's a question. How do you teach a song? Think of your favorite song. How, how would you teach it? Joe described one John last week as a canoe drifting around like from idea to idea. I would like to offer another image about this book that one John is lyrical like a song. Maybe it's a song that you can hum while paddling canoe if we need to combine the metaphors. But the more that you read 1 John and the more that you teach 1 John, you feel as if you're trying to teach a song. It has different verses, but it has a rhythm and a meter and a language that are very lyrical. I think the words of the chorus of 1 John could be summarized in six words, to know, to believe, and to love. So I would like to offer my reflections on these lyrics of 1 John today, about to know, to believe, and to love. So we'll start with to know. The word know uh, occurs in the book of 1 John 38 times. In the Greek, it occurs three times in the text that we read this morning. 
knowing is central to the letter of one John. The question then is, when we read this letter, is what do they, the authors, or the author, want us to know? And I think the author of the book of 1 John, like the Gospel of John, are clear with their intent. They want us to know what we believe. And how do we live and love in light of that belief? The book of 1 John says at the closing of the letter in chapter 5, I write these things to you so that you would believe in the name of the Son of God so that you would know that you have eternal life. Uh, 1 John uh, echoes so much of the Gospel of John. It echoes the words of the Gospel of John where John writes, I have written these things so that you may believe in Jesus and believing in Jesus, you may have life in his name. And so really, I believe what the author of 1 John is pressing us towards is a belief, but it's beyond a cognitive belief. It's a more holistic and integrated belief. So let's talk about to believe. Well, I was on a silent retreat several years ago at Sacred Heart. It's a retreat center just outside of Sedalia when Father Vince, the Jesuit priest who was leading the retreat, invited us to reread the Gospel of John. But to insert the word trust everywhere that we had read the word believe and see how it realigned the relational nature of the text for us. He offered the insight that for John, the word believe would have been far more holistic. It would have sounded something more like we would hear trust. And then Father Vince said something that I've come back to hundreds of times since in those years since. And it's this quote, the doorway into anything meaningful in life is trust. The doorway into anything meaningful in life is trust. If you think about your life, everything meaningful in it is because you trusted someone. It may have been trusting a friend or a family member or maybe trusting yourself, but it was a doorway you stepped through that you acted on. You stepped through that doorway of trust. And so the question is, who do you trust? St. Ignatius of Loyola, the founder of the Jesuits said, sin is an unwillingness to trust that God wants our deepest happiness. It's an interesting definition of sin, that sin is the unwillingness to trust that God wants our deepest happiness. So until we trust God with the whole of our existence, we will operate in fear and control, and our sin is both our best and our worst efforts because we don't trust God. I've come to believe at the core of living an integrated life is trust. It, it is the foundation on which the whole spiritual life is built. Whatever it is that we trust is that's the infrastructure that we build our lives upon. When John writes, this is the command to believe or to trust in Jesus, what his words are confronting in all of us is all the other possibilities that we would choose to trust instead. I felt like I heard and held even the concept as a child that trusting in God's love was like a one-time event. I too often considered it as something that occurred long ago in my childhood and that either the matter was believing in God was settled one way or another and there was never any need to revisit this question. But life teaches us that trust requires the totality of our lives. There's never an arrival of total trust. Instead, trust is a daily invitation. It's an invitation to trust. And in this instance, we are invited to trust in the love of God. 
And that, I believe, is the final key in this chorus of 1 John. To know, to believe, and to love. To love. Eugene Peterson writes, the two most difficult things to get straight in life are love and God. More often than not, the mess people make of their lives can be traced to failure or stupidity or meanness in one or both. If we want to deal with God the right way, we have to learn to love the right way. If we want to love the right way, we have to deal with God the right way. God and love cannot be separated. The author of 1 John refuses any other metric to measure what we know and what we trust than love. He recalls the command of Jesus. It is loving each other that we are identified as those who follow the way of Jesus. This last week, I was in a conversation about how do you measure the growth and life and health of a church? Uh, for those of you who have successfully avoided churches that are metric-centric, I will simply offer there are some faith communities that you can feel at times like a commodity, that their bottom line feels like people or profits is what they're striving for. Now, to be clear, I think numbers and metrics are important for accountability, and there's a lot of numbers in the Bible. Uh, we're told like how many people were there when Jesus taught and when he fed, and we're even offered the financial stories on a few. And we're always learning uh, how to look at numbers within our family of churches as the sacred grace, uh, how to be good stewards and accountable to the resources that God has given us and the people that he has given us. Uh, but the conversation about metrics was with a 70-year-old retired pastor. And he inquired with a very like childlike inquisitive grin, what if your measurements were, do we love each other more? Are we responding to God's love more? And do we love our neighbors more this year than we did last year? What an interesting metric for a community of faith to only be measured by love. David Benner in his book, Surrender to Love, writes this, love is the acid test of Christian spirituality. If Christian conversion is authentic, we are in a process of becoming more loving. If we are not more loving, something is seriously wrong. The metric is love. The author of 1 John says, let's not just talk about love, let's practice love. And it's our practices that free our worried hearts. As we practice love and as we love and live more deeply and securely in who God is and who we are as his daughters and sons, we come to understand that we are what we love. We are what we love. And we are invited to know God and to trust God and to love God. As I came to kind of give my attempts at offering this teaching, the beautiful lyric of 1 John, this is what I think the chorus would be that I would want you to remember. That we can know, that we can trust, and that we can love. That is the invitation of 1 John to us. Allow that melody to settle inside more than just your mind. Allow it to become something that you meditate on, the meaning of it as you move through the rest of your morning. And as, as we move towards communion, even this morning, take a deep breath and consider a few questions to reflect on the words of 1 John. Here's a couple of questions for you. 
Who do I trust? Uh, and what doorway could I step through to trust more in God's love? Who do I love? And what practices would cultivate love of God, of myself, of others, my neighbors, more in this year than in last? Would you please pray with me? Father, we are humbled and grateful for your love. We come to you as your daughters and sons, uh, wanting to know, wanting to trust, and wanting to love. And, and uh, often I and we uh, come short of that. that. That sin is simply those moments in which uh, we hold on to control and we're unfortunately ruled by fear far more than, than trusting that you want our deepest happiness. And so, Father, this morning I pray for every person uh, that's represented on each of these screens, uh, that their homes would be places uh, of trust, that they would build that trust um, with each other and with you, that they would be homes of love, that the only metric that really matters is do they love more? Are they more responsive to your love? Are they more willing to accept your love and love themselves? And are we as a community here in North Aurora and East Colfax and all the neighborhoods that we might find ourselves this morning, are, are we examples of your love to the world? Father, thank you that you set the example of what love is in laying down your life for us. So we come to that table once again this morning to be reminded of your great and unending and extravagant and eternal love. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen.